0: Hello, welcome to From the Platform. This is part two of our podcast on inclusion, and in this part of the podcast, we're focusing on gender we talk about domestic violence and sexual abuse in this podcast if you are experiencing any issues regarding the topics discussed in this podcast please ring the domestic abuse helpline on 08082000247 or you can ring the christadelphian support network uh, on 0800 9545099, where all calls are taken in confidence by trained volunteers from the Christadelphian community. Those are numbers for UK listeners. If you um, live elsewhere, please be sure to call the appropriate helplines.
1: These general principles can be applied to all sorts of inclusivity like being aware mm. of these types of things. So last year I think I listened to one of the Nomad podcasts which is a really interesting like Christian podcast. And there was a lady speaking about her experience of domestic violence and it was really educational in terms of just learning about domestic violence and how prevalent it is and the ideas of like coercion and all that kind of thing. It was really fascinating, obviously really, really sad. But the lady spoke quite passionately about the fact that a factor of her being vulnerable to domestic violence was her very conservative Christian upbringing. And that really, really got me thinking, I kind of really opened my eyes to the fact that we don't really talk about it as a church.
0: Um, It's one of those things that we probably deal with on a level one listening thing it's like Mm. okay domestic violence does that happen in my family no Nope.
1: don't know anyone Uh, yeah (laughs) do i
0: yeah has anyone ever spoken to me about this no okay i don't think it's got anything to do with me then
1: Mm. and then particularly when it comes on to the subject of feminism as well that can be seen as a very provocative thing to talk about and again a very political thing to talk about so it can be another thing that's sidelined as, like, well, this, this is just politics or this is something that's very worldly mm. that we don't want to talk or about. Well, you have
0: a maybe a, a distinctive idea about, like, because feminism is different across mm. the decades, isn't it? What that word even
1: means. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And in so the way you, you
0: might be sidelining a feminism you know about or you think you know mm. about and the person might be talking about
1: yeah, yeah,
0: something more modern, which is even a reaction against
1: mm.
0: older forms of feminism, which yeah, is definitely. a whole history in itself.
1: But yeah, it really made me think this is something that really has to be talked about because it has very damaging ramifications. So on the the Refuge website, which is refuge.org, there's one really frightening stat, which is almost one in three women aged 16 to 59 will experience domestic abuse in her lifetime. And that really brings up the fact that even though it's not discussed and it's not seen as something that's discussed in church, it is something that definitely happens within the Christophon community, which is a horrible thing to think about. Statistically, it must happen, but it's not something that is kind of addressed. And also going on to kind of other really, really awful statistics, like 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to the police. So Mm. not only do these things happen, but the people who they happen to are very unlikely to kind of report it. And, you know, there's terrible atrocities um, in various religious institutions of kind of abuse, Mm -hmm. um, particularly abuse against women. And is it actually really important that we learn how to talk about this, to be aware Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. fact this is happening, be self-aware of maybe our own ignorance and our knee-jerk kind of reactions to them.
0: Because yeah. I've never had a conversation about it within nice. the, um, the format of church. And I guess if this is something that you experience as the um, Christadelphian Support Network, which is all confidential, Like you can call that up and, and speak to brothers mm. and sisters there.
1: So I started thinking about this and the fact that even just discussions around feminism and women's roles, again, they're really difficult to have because they're very highly um, charged and... Yeah, there's just a lot of emotion and a lot of baggage that comes along with these conversations. Mm -hmm. And is this potentially quite a damaging thing that we're doing?
0: So we've talked before about how this can happen whilst doing the readings.
1: Yeah, so my thoughts went to when... So there's certain passages in the Bible um, and there's a really excellent podcast series by the Bible Society called She Too, hashtag She Too, which obviously came from the Me Too too, um, movement, which my friend recommended to me. And they are absolutely fascinating. And they go through various passages like the Levite's concubine and judges, the response in Deuteronomy, you know, about a man who rapes a virgin has to marry her. Uh, Mm. the rape of Tamar the treatment of Hagar by Abraham and Sarah all these sorts of things that Mm. I'm sure most people will have a memory of coming up in Mm. the readings Numbers
0: 5 is another weird one the one where what happens in that woman if the woman is suspected of having an affair she has to go before the priest and go through this kind of
1: oh yes ritual where she
0: has to drink water that if and if she's been unfaithful then she miscarries and it's like really quite horrific as yeah
1: yeah. experience and I think a lot of people who maybe grew up as Christophians or at least in my memory is, you know, it's a nice social thing to do, isn't it? When you go into someone's house, someone say, like, oh, let's do the readings. Mm. And then you start doing the readings and actually some, you know, the Bible is yeah. not an easy book to read yeah, quite often. Yeah. And- yeah,
0: sometimes it's like oh, it's Judges 21, Oh, maybe we won't
1: do that Let's one. go to the next one instead. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, if you kind we of... A
0: lighter one for the social exactly, occasion. Exactly,
1: exactly, yeah. yeah. Or in a situation where that is read and the discussion points are things like, oh, and this then leads on to the history of this bad blood between those two tribes and the way the tribe of Benjamin was treated. Mm. And to me it makes me think of the underlying message that that gives to maybe young people in the room yeah, or yeah, yeah. anyone in the room really in We've terms sidestepped of sidestepped this horrible yeah, treatment like, of oh, this woman we don't talk about those things because of but an in,
0: interesting historical exactly
1: fact. yeah we look at the kind of academic thing instead mm. and i remember as well this kind of also relates to the black lives matter portion that we were talking about i remember listening to a podcast that i cannot remember the name of now um and there was a talk by a black lady who was a pastor. And in her talk, she talked about looking at the Bible through the eyes of a black woman and how when you look at the story of, um, you know, Hagar being a slave from another country, how it brings like a richness to looking at that and other parts of the Bible that you look at. And I think she she'd written a book which was Thinking about the gospel in terms of reading it through a black woman's eyes, I remember thinking, "Oh, that's that's interesting, but it, it seems a bit niche. You know, right. that's a bit of a side thing. Oh, that's an interesting thing to maybe oh, that's listen an interesting, to. Interesting, like novelty. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good word. And and you know, that's genuinely what I thought. Mm. And then towards the end of the podcast, she talked about the Western white male academic approach to studying the Bible is not the objective view. And, oh, my goodness, my tiny mind blew. I suddenly realised, oh, my entire viewpoint of the Bible has been sculpted by a history of Western white male scholarship, hasn't mm-hmm. it? And, actually, and that really, really blew my mind. And yeah. that also... Um...
0: Well, there's, there's clearly, like, probably more black women in the world experiencing life and experiencing faith that haven't had their interpretation, like, catalogued in a, a in a commentary for everyone else to read. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like this person's commentary mm-hmm. is not something that just exists on mm-hmm. a shelf in Oxford or, you know, the people that wrote the ESV aren't aware of it and
1: yeah, yeah. those
0: sorts of things. It is a very much uh, interpreted through the eyes of... Yeah. Of, and the ESV, for example, I remember reading this... Is um, translated, interpreted, reviewed, and published by exclusively white men. There's no Mm. women on the board at all. And so, yeah, it's like.
1: Yeah. And that really started to open my mind in terms of the way that I read the Bible is through a kind of white Western intellectual man's. Viewpoint, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and actually, there's so much that we're possibly missing, and so we could be incredibly skewed. Yeah. For example, reading a really traumatic passage, which has you know violence against women, has slaves in it, etc., yeah, yeah, yeah. and you bring out the point of oh, and that of course links together the narrative of the relationship between the tribes, and there's some interesting numbers in here, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than focusing on actually the thing that's happening here is something really horrific that we should talk about, and mm. what and, it's, and with is that the first, experience
0: of a lot of people.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. And again, it's just the subliminal messages we're giving potentially to young people that maybe we just don't talk about these things, which means that then if they do have a traumatic experience, particularly when the message is just abstinence until marriage with no kind of grey area and no advice for anything else or this isn't the place where you come to talk about anything else mm. there's a lot of potential there for quite damaging things to happen with young people as they kind of enter relationships with each other mm.
0: you're literally just putting forward the ideal and it's like if you experience anything other than this ideal then we don't have a platform
1: no we don't talk about you to it <laughs> Have any, yeah. any
0: discussion about this it's yeah. more like don't talk about it mm. because you're going to be shamed or you're going to be...
1: Definitely. Yeah. And um, so I've got a little section here in which I've titled Feminism 101. Um, and a kind of really founding principle is uh, woman as the other. So it's kind of, again, it's seen as like a the perspective of a woman or... Is the novel one. Yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's novel, it's the other thing. So Simone de Beauvoir was the person who kind of came up with this and she said... She was a writer, a French writer, who was very active, like, in the 40s and 50s. And she came up with some of these kind of key foundational ideas. So she said, representation of the world, like the world itself, is the work of men. They describe it from their own point of view, which they confuse with the absolute truth.
0: So representation of the world, world, like the world itself, is made by men? Mm Mm-hmm. So how does he, what does she mean by the world is made by men? Is in like in that time period, like everything, all the decisions in terms of design and infrastructure and
1: yeah, essentially, yeah was the, made by men. The, the men had had the power. But that's interesting
0: because you, you were reading that book where it was talking about like when people do trials for medicine, it, it just so happens that they do all the testing on men. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: something like paracetamol has its optimal effect on men. And then they presume that it just works for women in the mm-hmm. same way when actually it could be completely different.
1: Yeah, and don't bother actually testing women.
0: Which is something really interesting. So she says that, and then what's the second part to it?
1: Humanity is male, and man defines woman, not as herself, but relative to him. She is the other.
0: And so this fits in with something that I maybe understood a couple of years ago, which was quite mind-blowing for me, that it's only probably since the 20s, 30s kind of time period, that women have now more control over their bodies because of contraception and because of hygiene products, which means that, okay, maybe beforehand, because there was no contraception and um, sanitary products were not as widely available.
1: It was easier for men to have an active role in society. It was easier
0: for men to have an active role in society because those things just got in the way. I mean, sure, men could have asked more, Like there's the example of those places that were built for women in. A country mm. So um,
1: Caroline Criado-Perez has written a book called Invisible Women where mm. she talks about a theoretical gender data gap. And there's a fascinating example of relief efforts in which there's a natural disaster. Then people go in and they interview the people in the local area and say, well, how do you want your houses to be built? What do you need? All these things. But they only speak to the men and end up building houses that are completely unsuitable because it's actually women who do the unpaid care work and all the work in the house.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Even men houses. are probably not spending most of the time in the house. Exactly, yeah. They're going out yeah. and doing stuff, potentially. So
1: yeah, completely.
0: But it highlights that point that, yeah, it's only fairly recently that we've had the technology for women to actually step into a more active role. Well, they weren't accommodated.
1: No, exactly, they weren't accommodated. So it's like the... And it's almost um, like
0: now, because of that technology, they can
1: yeah. and have their voices heard. It's like the, the social definition of disability. Someone can be a wheelchair user... But they're only disabled when someone doesn't build a ramp. Yes. So yeah. again, a woman is only disadvantaged in the workplace if like maternity leave rights aren't respected or yeah. if women don't have access to kind of toilets and sanitary products yeah. and things yeah. like that. Once they do have all those things, they have no barrier. But it's so that social caused.
0: disability. That's an actual freight. You can Google social disability. and It's a whole yeah. theory, isn't it? What's yeah, the opposite yeah. of it's social disability? Uh,
1: I think it's individual disability. individual disability. So the idea is like, well, you have paralysis, so it's your problem that you can't navigate the steps of the world. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the person says, well, if you just made them all ramps then I wouldn't be disabled, I could yeah. go everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, w- I would have the same ability as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which kind of, again, goes into culture change, which we talked about in terms of you don't put those barriers up to someone who's from a minority or someone who is disabled. You relieve them of that burden. Exactly, yeah, by actually allowing the culture to change. So it means that your church is going to look different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually more people are allowed in. It's like,
0: yeah, how do you make your church accommodate people who aren't neurotypical? Mm. Like that means, you know, perhaps having... A different way of timetabling your events with visuals or what would be an example of that you you, you...
1: Um, well I guess I work with kids so it would be allowing children to be more disruptive mm-hmm. um, allowing children to be able to come in and out and um and maybe Sunday school teachers having training that kind of thing putting in a bit yeah so
0: it could be that if you're not if you're not neurotypical and you need to uh deal with sensory overload then it's made aware at the start of the meeting that we can accommodate that like if at any point anybody here needs to get up and leave because of some sort of unseen disability yeah yeah. then that's fine we won't tut at you or kind of roll our eyes when you get up and the chair squeaks and whatever like we're aware that you just people, need to leave for this people might need to yeah, leave yeah. for a reason, no matter how sacred silence might be to mm. some people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a big part of the culture change thing. In terms of the moral matrix, some people are more, uh, they put a lot more sway on things being kind of sacred and having that ritual, whereas actually mm. being self-aware to think, actually, i that's really important to me, but I can't try and insist that it stays there and give it a sacred label actually because that's damaging to people and it stops people from being able to share the space which is
0: if you're thinking about autism it's just the mainstream trait right like if you enforcing silence because of your need for it imagine if the tables were turned and it was actually making loads of noise was the sacred thing to do and so when you go in there, it's like a massive din and you can't handle it. You just have to leave.
1: So to summarise, it really struck me that having um, things such as feminism, talk about domestic violence, even kind of sexual abuse and assault, that kind of thing, being things that we don't talk about in church Yeah, could just have really damaging ramifications Mm -hmm. and maybe we need to be more self-aware to think about things like, is the way we study the Bible actually, is it kind of skewed through a male Western scholarly viewpoint? And Mm -hmm. should we be more open to thinking about other viewpoints? Um, Therefore, addressing violence against women, rape, consent, oppression in Bible stories, like it can be seen as like the other thing it can be seen as what did you describe it as like almost like a novelty, novelty thing yeah. and it can be seen as not a neutral thing to talk about Side plot, yeah almost. yeah but it's too politicized issue? um and not part of the you know the absolute truth is set out by the male narrative that is the foundation to all of the bible study that we do everything we get taught so and and this especially in Christadelphian circles, can be really expounded by like the patriarchal structure of the church, and therefore, a proportionate effort should be taken to counter the message that women are not valued or not spoken about, and that their stories aren't spoken about in an emotive way, mm-hmm. maybe needs to be taken mm-hmm. no, I know that's a big challenge and so lots of these things that we talk about, like the the effort that it takes. For people to be in church environments, you know, can include groups like young people, older people, people who have disabilities, neurological disabilities and physical disabilities, people of colour, people who have mental illnesses. And there's even things like people who are divorced, people who've chosen Mm. to stay single, all of Mm. these in some way can be seen as people who are sidelined a bit. And it's worth thinking in in a community that is so structured around the nuclear family, very white, very middle class, very academic, people who don't fit that group. Mm -hmm. Do you have to take an extra amount of effort to exist in that community?
0: It's interesting because an element to us ending up where we are culturally is to do with group preservation, isn't it? Hmm, like, it's to do with how if, if a group wants to sustain itself, then it does all these things. Like, it creates a mainstream, it creates a norm. Mm. But I think, as we've seen with the Christophan community, when you restrict that norm so much, it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until it disappears.
1: Mm, and exactly.
0: in the UK, with the number of Iranian people now joining our church, We've had an unexpected growth that hasn't come from finding more people like us and persuading them to join. Mm. It's come from a completely different culture, for some reason, (laughs) attaching itself to our group and us then now having to be forced to change our culture rather than willingly do it, which has kind of meant a slow response in some senses. But also, if you restrict the group's social makeup, then you will stagnate and shrink. And because people won't feel comfortable in that group.
1: Definitely. And especially around the concepts and the language of inclusion and even when it gets called things like identity politics which again is another one of those really loaded political terms. There's a really nice quote by an author called Amanda Montell when she talks about the concept of learning new ways of talking and approaching new ideas. She says, even well-meaning people get confused and defensive. This is a natural reaction so be aware of it. Mm. So, so for ourselves, if we hear about you know a new thing or something that seems a bit political or to do with inclusivity that we're not too sure about, be aware that it's completely natural to be a bit defensive to begin with because it's another thing that says you're going to have to think about this and potentially yeah. change your mind or your approach on it. You're going
0: to have to put some effort in yeah, and yeah. potentially...
1: And change the culture of your group, which is a really scary thing to do. So just being aware of, oh, yeah, I feel defensive about that. Oh, yeah, it's because of that. Mm -hmm. So that can at least just aid you to be a little bit more Mm open-minded.
0: Cool. I think we'll end there. And in the next episode, I really want to talk about something called nonviolent communication, which I think tacks onto this quite nicely. If you want to do some homework, you can look up nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosen. I really recommend his book. And yeah, we'll try and talk about that next time. Thanks again for listening. Check out the other podcasts on the WCF.